Welcome to Change Champions, Trish Thurley and I will be discussing anxiety when going through change at work. So Trish. Hi Charlene, hi everyone. Hi. Yeah, um, so most of my career um, I've been involved in major changes in organisations either uh, on the receiving end, like as a young graduate uh, went through privatisation with British Gas um, and then later on as a project manager, implementing changes in organizations and then uh, being on the receiving end of changes in those organizations as well. And one of the common thing, one of the commonest things that comes out is that people feel anxious and out of their comfort zone. Uh, change isn't always a positive thing. And in fact, a lot of the changes that I've been involved in implementing are things like downsizing and outsourcing. So they're not even a positive project. Has that been your experience as well, Charlene? Yeah. Yeah. I think from my experience, I, I've experienced a lot of change that needs to happen and people want it to happen, but it's, ha be, it's happening so haphazardly that that's the part that's causing the anxiety. Um, so I haven't worked with um, uh, many downsizing operations, but it's been smaller, relatively speaking, uh, process realignment, operational realignment projects where everybody wants it, but it's gotten signed off at the last minute. And then whoever signed it off has said, now you've got three months to make it work. And it sends everybody <laughs> into chaos. And then that starts the different levels of anxiety. Yeah, is that chaotic? Uh, is anybody in control of this? Does anybody really know what they're doing? Why hasn't anybody told me what's going to be happening? And does anybody care? And uh, my son came up with a brilliant uh, phrase for it the other day. I thought I've got to borrow that. He called it lurky anxiety. <laughs> this idea, you know, this kind of like uh, low level kind of pit of the stomach, just feeling anxious all the time. And I thought I absolutely get that. Uh, I really do. They sort of I'm, uh, I like to be in control of things. And when you're not in control of things, uh, then you start to feel more anxious and even though you can acknowledge your own anxiety, it doesn't make that lurky feeling go away. No, it doesn't. And I think I think sometimes leaders really um, underestimate how much anxiety can impact on normal day-to-day -day business activities. I think if leaders understood, they'd take more time to um, minimize it or, you know, realize that the, the actions that they have can um it can have an effect and so therefore maybe we should just take a little bit more time to sort this out because with all change if you're trying to implement a new piece of software or um uh, encourage people to adopt um, like a crm software or something like that business still has to go on whilst you're doing this so that's going to be difficult enough as it is if then nobody really knows when why where or who what's happening then you've got an extra fear just running through everyone whilst they're trying to get their day job done and then also being told by their manager by their manager's manager and by the way you need to prepare for this new thing why haven't you done it yet it's it's not really acceptable to just presume that because you've told somebody to do something or you've just told them we're doing this thing now that everybody's going to fall in line because people aren't so soldiers most people are not soldiers yeah, and the most organisations aren't as top down as they perhaps used to be. 
you know, I say at the beginning of my career, the first organization I joined was very, very hierarchical, very top down. And, you know, these tablets of stone used to come down from on top and this is what you're going to be doing. And you're kind of like, yes, sir, you know, sort of uh, um, because it was always sirs at the top in those days. Yeah. Uh, and, and that paternalistic, hierarchical, it, it gives you a little bit more reassurance that, you know, sort of the parents are in control of this and I just need to do as I'm told. As organisations have become flatter, um, many people are work, working for smaller organisations or startups, then there isn't that kind of continuity, there isn't that hierarchy, there isn't that feeling that the parents know what's, you know, the parents know what's going on. Um, so I think you do need to uh, call that out amongst your team, amongst your colleagues, um, your fellow collaborators, and just take a moment to just sort of say, are, are you feeling some anxiety around this? Because I am. And just be able to identify a little bit with each other can be a, an easy step that everybody can do. Definitely. And that brings me to a point of anxiety presents itself in many different ways. Um, some people depending on what room they're in depending on who they're talking to are quite comfortable with just saying yeah do you know what I'm feeling a bit anxious about this and the more we get better with you know talks about vulnerability in the workplace and with ourselves it's getting easier but that's not always how, how anxiety um, displays itself sometimes it displays itself itself through anger through just I'm just going to ignore this because I can't bring myself to look at it and so sometimes your biggest project blockers could just be people that are feeling really anxious and afraid and they don't know how to verbalize that they might not even know that they feel afraid they just know that this is going they believe this is going to cause them problems and so therefore no put it over there I don't care I don't want to do this this is rubbish it's never going to work or you, you know just that general negativity some it's a lot of it is anxiety so trying to find ways to sit down with those people I mean that's what you're supposed to do anyway when you're going through change you need to be able to speak to people and have them you know build the trust with them so that they tell you truly what's going on so that things don't um, progress to this you know really outlandish set of you know argumentative meetings and things like that you know Mm -hmm. I agree with you that it can express itself as anger um uh, yeah fear does express itself in lots of different ways with different people and you say there's those head in the sand types if I don't look at this if I don't acknowledge this it's not happening you get the angry types and you also get the bravado sort of types is mm -hmm. is uh they start uh just behaving a little bit outlandishly uh they may not even be angry but they may just be putting on this false bravado around it and uh, that's one of the reactions and also those people who react physically you know like when you're anxious maybe you're getting a break out of your skin or something like that and just feeling yeah. slightly unwell with it so we're all going to experience this differently um, and I think finding a way that people can actually chat about this but it does depend on people having trust and feeling like they, they they can share those sorts of feelings but if you're in a downsizing uh, type scenario one of the things 
uh, I saw is because everybody's fearful for their job is you don't want to put on anything other than I'm a perfect employee sort yeah. of visage. So what you're doing there is you're pushing down all the anxiety and putting on the nothing to see here. I'm just doing a great job. Um, don't look at me sort of thing it, just to di- dis- distract people. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, then I think the the experienced or the um, uh, empathetic change manager or project manager can start to kind of look for those signs that might be quite well hidden and start to scratch around at the surface a bit more. And it's so much about trust. And then from the higher senior leadership level as well, what you were saying about that higher, that 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 top-down parental hierarchical way of working that many of us have experienced and still does experience to some degree in a lot of companies. The reason why people like to rely on that is because they know that they're doing the right thing or they believe they're doing the right thing, that senior leader. So as far as they're concerned, you should just trust me. Just trust me. I know what I'm doing and then we can we can all go there. And it's like, okay, so you want everybody to trust you. What have you done to show that you can be trusted with this decision, particularly when you haven't asked the people on the ground who <laughs> are being affected by this change. Now, in some ways, you know, sometimes people have asked, but it's just, as you said, that's the old way that we used to do things. We are becoming a much flatter, um, we'll, we'll have more flatter organizational structures. And that trust needs to go back and forth, up and down, sideways, diagonally. It needs to go all the way around and it needs to be free flowing and evolving all the time. And it's about creating that atmosphere where people can feel comfortable to be vulnerable, to trust. So as you were saying with the, um, you know, I'm going to be the perfect employee. Okay, so we're in a, we're in a downsizing environment. You're, you're going to put on your shiniest self at work. Who are you going to tell when there's actually a problem? Who, who are you going to talk to? Or are you just going to keep it to yourself and just try to fix it and just try to fix it whilst this problem gets bigger? If you're in that kind of fear-induced environment for whatever reason, you're far less likely to ask for help and something that could have started off small can blow up into something extraordinary all because you were too afraid. Yes. There's this um, lack of voice. That's a lot of people uh, feel that is there's maybe um, an unequal uh, rank between them and the person they need to speak to. So, you know, like the, the, if the chief executive wanders round the office saying, how are you feeling today, Charlene? You know, that everyone's going to be like, I'm great, sir, you know, sort of, or, you know, whatever. You, you would not, there's too much distance between you and that person. Uh, you're never going to open up to that person. So you've got to be aware when when you're trying to get somebody to speak about how they feel or whether there's a problem is they need to speak to somebody who's more their level and they need to know, trust that, that there won't be, you know, all hell break loose upon them for having yeah. said, you know, this is a problem, this is not working. Uh, and, 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 so they, I think that these are some of the things that uh, managers and leaders need to 
be trained in how to do that you know mm. it's like how do I get people to open up to me how do I show that I'm trustworthy uh, but also uh, they need to work on that kind of blame culture uh, I was just talking to somebody earlier today uh, she used the word blamey uh, so is that a word uh, it was just like the the atmosphere felt as if it was a bit blamey and so yeah. everybody just clams up and that sort of thing uh, so if the leaders can uh, and managers can show their own vulnerability they're more likely to get people to open up and in some cases you said earlier you know sort of trust me I'm the leader I know what I'm doing but in something like COVID nobody knew what they were doing so that vulnerability was even more important yeah um, yeah and actually um what book was I can't remember what book it was that I was reading but um something neurosciencey. but they were explaining that the brain just needs to have an answer even if the answer is I don't know it needs something to pin itself on mm. whereas if you don't give it anything it has the ability to go wild with all of the different possibilities as to what could be going on here, mm. you know? And, you know, generally we think more negatively about things. Again, it feeds its own fear. So just give people something. Okay, so we didn't get to that milestone that we thought we were going to get to when we thought we were going to get to it. This is why we didn't get there. This is what we're gonna try to do to get there next time. Mm -hmm. So you might then get a bit of disgruntled, rah, 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 rah. but then, that's the answer to the question. You don't just leave it open in the hopes that, oh, people will just presume the best because generally we don't presume the best, mm. especially when we're under stress at work, which is a place that gives us the money that <laughs> we used to live. We don't necessarily presume the best all the time. We're just not built that way. And it's it's acknowledging that. And um, you're speaking about COVID. I remember in the last recession, I had a boss. <laughs> and I'm not sure if he realized what he was doing but there was a lot of talk about people moving to other companies and uh, he kept television on all the time and he would keep it on on the news where you know it's like 24-hour news cycle where it was constantly talking about people were leaving jobs but the people who are now getting fired are the ones that um, have just gotten there and so he kept going, oh, last person in, first person out. And, mm, and it was ultimately because he didn't want anybody to leave. Mm. And we would keep turning the television off and he'd keep turning it back on. And I don't actually think he knew the effect that he was having on everyone. Yeah. But my goodness me, it's just like that the fear that was reverberating from him just fed through everybody else. It's just, I, I, I would quite like... <laughs> He could have handled it better just by making us feel more comfortable where we were. Mm. Yes, we don't know what's going on. Yes, we'll pull through if we do it together. Building up that team and that glue with us rather than looking at everybody else and going, oh, they look bad. Oh, oh. Yeah, I think bathing everybody in fear and this kind of, like you say, the, the, you could feel the anxiety levels sort of rising in people. And yeah. it's just this constant, uh, which is why one of the things my own coping strategies I liked the thing you said about you know telling your brain I don't know but then my own personal coping strategy is I have to feel that I can do something positive so that might be I don't know 
I'll go and do some research. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I will take myself out for a walk in a creative space to let my brain do some problem solving because I, I might know the answer. I just don't know that I know the answer. And for me, if I go out and process, so I need to be in a uh, in a creative space. And for me, that's green space, uh, preferably near water. So I'll go and take myself off for a walk next to the river while my brain deals with the problem. I'm not aware. I'm just walking. Yeah. Uh, maybe even talking to a mate um, and while my brain is working on it. So I feel that I can do something positive. Yes. Yeah. And, and you, that's a very good point about what can you do if you're feeling the anxiety? First of all, is please notice what you're feeling a little bit more. Um, all because you're at work, that doesn't mean you, you stop being a human because you're working. You still have all of your emotions. There's still other things going on in your life that might be seeping in, that work might be reminding you of or vice versa. And so please do take the time to acknowledge, are you feeling afraid? Are you feeling scared? Are you feeling tired? Are you feeling despondent? Because that will shape the way you think about the work that you're doing, whether you're contrib- you know, contributing to it or leading it. it. It does have an effect. And once you know that, then you can take steps to um, maybe address it. Or if you know you're feeling a little bit negatively about this, look at why or find somebody who's, um, who does feel positively about it and just talk to them. Get their, get their um, opinion on why they feel so positive about it. And then you can compare it against your negative notes or your negative feelings and just address the reality of the situation. I think it just helps a lot to do your own self-reflection. Yeah, I definitely agree with the self-reflection and the checking in on others. Um, uh, because uh, we, we, unfortunately, our language works against us because we'll often say, you know, you walk into the office or you come onto a meeting, you know, like, how are you? And the, the automatic answer is, I'm fine, how are you? And it's not a, re- it's not a proper check-in with it. It's, you know, just taking a moment to look at the person properly and, and just sort of like, how are you today? Yeah. And give them an invitation to say properly. Yeah, and maybe we just need to give people that extra bit of time, even, you know, particularly in this virtual environment. It's just if the meeting's supposed to start at two, then, okay, it really starts at 10 past two. And for that first 10 minutes, it's just people bringing themselves into the room. Mm you know, just slowly but surely shutting themselves down from the other things that they were doing so that they can be here. And that either that's, you know, just talking about what they have, what they had for lunch or whatever, but just give them time to bring themselves here. Mm. And then they can just be a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more focused. And in the last podcast, you mentioned um, Edward de Bono's um, Six Thinking Hats, mm. and uh, which we both have experienced that as a great technique. And to be able to put some red hat in at the beginning, which is the emotional sort of how are you feeling about that so that people get off their chest. You know, I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling under pressure. I'm feeling happy. uh, I'm, I'm feeling very upbeat. Just all of those sorts of things to understand where people are at, you know, in, yeah. in that emotional side before you go into the, uh, the, the, the business of the meeting. And I think that's what people have missed because they assume that because we're in a Zoom meeting or a Teams meeting, it's got to be bang, bang, bang business. Whereas if it was real, you'd wander in with a coffee and 
and, and chat to whoever turned up first, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would. You would. And, and that's the thing. And yes, we can't make the virtual environment exactly the same as the physical environment, but we need to acknowledge the parts that are different. And that, again, it's the same human that's doing these things. We cannot expect to be robots. So be a little bit more easier on ourselves and therefore other people. And hopefully we can address some of those anxiety issues before they become major big problems that are much harder to deal with. Mm. Ah, thank you, Trish. Thank you, Charlene. It's been really fun and interesting as always, just uh, just chatting with you. As always, and we will have uh, episode number four of Change Champions in another couple. See you next.